Hello, world. Hey, world. Hello, world. Welcome to Hello, world. The future is female. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hello, world. The future is female. Today, I'm joined by Iman Hiriri Kia, a writer, editor, and author based in New York City. And for those of you who don't know, um, in July last year, and I'm pretty sure it was the 26th of July, so yesterday when we're filming this, um, her debut novel, 100 Other Girls, was published. And then her newest book, uh, The Most Famous Girl in the World, will be published in May of 2024. So make sure that you're keeping updated on all her social media, which speaking of which, she's been de-gatekeeping all, the, all of the things that go into the publishing industry, which has been incredibly insightful for me. And she's also been creating an accurate representation for women. So thank you so much again, Iman, for um, doing this interview with me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I guess I wanted to start off with like your TikTok presence and um, how you've become kind of inspiration for upcoming writers. How did you decide that you wanted to uh, de-gatekeep this industry and what impact do you think it's had on other people? Um, wow. Well, I don't know about inspiration for aspiring writers, but um book talk in the writing community has been really, really incredible to me. Um, I was just kind of a lurker for a while, uh, got a lot of reading recommendations, connected with a lot of other writers and authors on there before I started posting videos. Mm -hmm. And when I first signed my book deal in 2020, I decided to sort of document the process um, from writing the book to publishing the book. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that I sort of started uh, accumulating a following, connecting with book talkers, speaking to other people in the space. And it was really incredible. But that year and a half, two year period, I learned so much about the publishing industry and the process that I didn't know before I got started. And I've realized that there are very few candid resources online that sort of offer up all of that information. Mm -hmm. And that's very intentionally done. Um, publishing is inherently exclusionary and they want to sort of, I don't know, keep um, transparency at a minimum to a certain extent because it benefits the imprints and the higher ups and the editors. Um, if there isn't pay transparency, if there isn't transparency around how decisions about distribution and marketing money, et cetera, gets made, um, you know, any sort of establishment grows in power and authority when it's right. cloud secrecy. So um, I just decided that since I'm going through the process again a second time, um, I could start making more transparent, straightforward videos, um, addressing a lot of the questions that I get that like, I now feel I am in some way informed, although I'm not an authority figure to answer. <laughs> uh, I can share that knowledge so other aspiring writers and young women and marginalized people like me can have those resources for free. And yeah, I'm glad some people like the videos. Sometimes I'm like, nobody cares about these, but it's nice. it's nice to know some people are watching. No, it's nice because I think it's from the perspective of like, yeah, this information is probably out there. Like people have obviously published so you could figure out how to do it. But the problem is it's not 
easily accessible and the process of like understanding what these like terms and conditions mean or like what this means to have your name published or get this you know id number i think it's very complicated and it keeps people away from the industry when there's so many good ideas out there so it is definitely helpful so definitely keep making those videos (laughs) um but yeah your writing is often i think on relationships identity womanhood all of that what kind of draws you to these subjects and why do you believe they're essential to address? Um, like the topics such as womanhood, body, sexuality is really, well, I've always been really, really um, interested in sex education in the United States and the history of sexual autonomy and sexual health and sex education in the United States. Um, I think like a lot of our social hierarchical issues in this country can be traced back to like a lack of information about uh, women's and marginalized people's bodies and um, the sort of silo it creates and the shame that it creates um, as women sort of reach maturity and as marginalized people um, reach maturity, which is obviously not the case for white straight cis men who are already in a position to succeed um it's always been like a through line throughout my work um I've always been really drawn to the themes of like adolescence puberty um like teenage um girlhood um I just think that like there's something about the idea of your hormones and emotions and being like heightened and unregulated that um I think sparks like true creativity and sort of um, undiluted thought and passion and it inspires me. I just think young people um, are the tastemakers and sort of the the cornerstone of like the zeitgeist and cultural trends. And I just think young people are incredible and have always felt just drawn to that period in time when your body's changing and you're growing and your mind is um, sort of entering every conversation prepared to be moved by it um, in a way that grows stagnant as you get older. Um, But when I started doing editorial work full time, um, I was originally just sort of writing about the intersection of identity with different verticals. Um, That's when I was at Teen Vogue. But when I moved to Bustle, I started working as a lifestyle writer. And over there, I started reporting to the sex and relationships editor. And I realized that under the sex and relationships umbrella, um, you can sort of continue that work that I was fascinated by um, about the body, about bodily autonomy, about, you know, sexual um, agency and anatomy and sexuality and gender identity. And there's a lot under that umbrella that I think people don't um, consider SNR. Um, but what's really special about SNR is that it also is universally appealing. Like, Mm-hmm. There's something for everyone under the SNR bracket. Uh, so when I moved to Elite Daily and I got a chance to sort of start working on not only like sex relationships, dating apps, singledom, um, but also some of the more like serious undercurrents of sex and relationships, like sexual health, consent, education, mm-hmm. you know, sexual identity and gender identity and so much more. Um, I realized like I could marry these two worlds and do it in a way that felt like accessible and non-intimidating for all these people that are already looking for information about sex and relationships. So, um, yeah, long answer, but like my way to say that I've always been interested and inspired and sort of drawn to this work in this world 
but um, what that looked like evolved over time based on where I worked and what I was working on. Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense because from like a teenage perspective, I feel like we're so like malleable and we have all these different perspectives that we're willing to go into like every um, domain of what we kind of want to pursue. Whereas I feel like when we're older, we kind of stick to a career and we are just like, let's pursue it. So I really kind of admire that about what you've done in both like journalism kind of side, but also like creative writing, ignore my dumb <laughs> creative writing side. Um, but yeah, I guess my next question is really about when you were, um, were published in all these like journals or like Harper's Bazaar, Cosmopolitan, all these things. How did you manage to break into these outlets and what advice would you have for anyone trying to pursue like similar success or um, opportunities? Yeah. Well, I started freelancing when I was really young. Uh, my first piece was published in the Huffington Post when I was 15. Um, and I have in freelance writing um, for like a range of different online and print publications ever since. Uh, and I, the beginning of doing freelance work, getting your byline out there is the most challenging before you sort of established yourself. Uh, but you only really need one byline to start building a portfolio. So the advice that I always give aspiring writers is besides to not be uh, discouraged by no's or lack thereof of responses because God knows I have gotten and continue to get tons of those. Like yeah. sometimes people just have too much to do and aren't going to get back to you. Um, so don't take it personally, but um, I think the first thing you're going to want to do is follow all of your favorite editors of your favorite verticals of your favorite publications on Instagram and Twitter, interact with their content, pay attention to when they post call outs for pitches, because that's when they're looking for pitching pitches around a specific topic. Um, that's a great place to get started. Um, to have a place where you're writing consistently, where you can showcase your work, whether it's a newsletter or a blog or a website so that you have um, something you can point to to say, look, even if I haven't been published, I've been consistently writing and this is what my writing sounds and looks like. Um, network the best that you can. Go to um, virtual events if you don't live in a major metropolitan area. Go to physical events if you have the opportunity to. Try to meet people. Join writing communities and circles and feedback groups so you can meet other writers, get advice from them. Um, I always say like everyone you're starting out with, like all the people that you're entry level interning, assisting with in 10 years time, you guys are going to be at the top of the masthead. So yes. treat everyone with kindness and respect. Um, look for fellowship and internship opportunities, um, remote ones, because they're not all because of the pandemic, they're all now remote. I know that BDG has them. I know that Hearst has them. Um, it is, they will not pay much. So oftentimes you might have to work multiple jobs, which is, we can get into like the privilege of the media <laughs> industry and why it is like gate gaps and inaccessible yeah. to lower income people another time. But, um, those are really great opportunities to meet people, editors, form relationships, get to write for like a range of different publications under that company's umbrella. Um, and they'll pay you very little. So they'll love that. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the best thing that you can do 
like the number one tip, truly pay close attention to the cultural zeitgeist and the news cycle um, and do your best to make your pitches feel plugged in and relevant and urgent based on what's happening um, that given day. So what do I mean by that? I mean that when you send a pitch to an editor, I want you to very clearly state why this story needs to be told right now, why you are the perfect slash only person who could tell this story in this way and why they, this editor, this publication is the perfect place to publish it, why they're the only people that can publish it. You, you need to very concisely make an argument for yourself because if it's a great idea, but you're not the only person who can write it, what's to stop them from assigning it to someone on staff? Like yeah. if, you know, if it's a great idea, but it's evergreen, what's to stop them from not contacting you for three to six months? Um, yeah. Set yourself up for success by reading everything and having your finger on the pulse so that you can be ready at the drop of a hat to pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is re- it resonates because um, as like, obviously Iran's like a big topic right now. And I think a lot of people in media have been trying to like, um, put women at the center of the stories and I feel like finally like obviously we're seeing with like Barbie and all these different platforms that um, like people who have different perspectives are finally getting some shot at the table um, so yeah I just think it's an important thing I also heard that like your network is your net worth and like you should always treat people the same when you're talking to them because you never know who they'll be but <laughs> that's another thing um, I already think that there's a difference between networking and just sort of extending kindness and respect to people too because yeah. I think mm-hmm. when you're when you're talking to people and you're hoping there's something you can get out of it they can always tell but honestly like making conversation when you're washing your hands in the bathroom at work or like going to an event and striking up a conversation in line to get in just as you said you never know who you're talking to you know do your best to be approachable and extends like the kind of like welcoming support yeah. like you hope you would get when you enter these spaces, especially to like marginalized people, to women, to people of color, to queer people, because you know how like little the world goes out of its way to open their doors and welcome them into such exclusive spaces. Right. Um, and as kind of my last question, I always ask how people are going to change the world. And I feel like from your perspective, either being Iranian American, if you have like any um, stories or memories that really make you feel connected to the culture there, not necessarily what's often represented in the media, but really who the people are and what they stand for, or even like through your writing. Yeah, I'll just be open to hearing what kind of your perspective is on how you're going to make an impact. Um, that's a great question, but it's also a big question. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, honestly, I have always believed, and this is so cliche and corny, but in the power of storytelling, I think that oftentimes, and this is so, um, I think crucial ahead of the next election too. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people really try to change each other's mind by listing statistics, facts, getting into debates over policy and historical precedent. Um, And what oftentimes 
ends up happening is um, the combination of sort of like numbers that sort of float in the ether unattached to people and heightened emotions causes the person they're talking to to totally withdraw or become defensive. And they don't leave those conversations feeling moved to act, to change their minds, to have further conversations with other people. They leave having shut down. Um, What I believe really can make a difference is honest, vulnerable storytelling. I think that if you can tell a story that moves someone, if you can write a sentence that impacts someone enough that they're still thinking about it after they read it or hear it, that emotion, that that emotional flicker in their in their brain will be enough to move them to then act. Um, I think that those actions one by one can come together to create some sort of tangible change. And I, I truly believe that, you know, that's what's so powerful, what's so potent about like really good storytelling is that it can really move people to change their minds. And it can, that, that sort of switch in people's brains can move them to act. It can move them to call their senators. It can move them to vote. It can make them do a lot of different things. So that's why we need storytellers. That's why we need people who can sort of um, boil down their emotions to their essence and inject that into their writing and I feel like anyone who's ever read something that they've they're still thinking about like a decade later knows what that feels like so yeah no I think that's a great answer because I think with statistics they are often not personal and we can't relate to them but with stories there's something about even if it's like in a nation that you've never heard of like there's something about who the people are or the experiences that resonate. And it's almost like that could be me. And I think that perspective really, it changes people. So thank you so much for that answer. Um, but yeah. Bye everybody. That's it for today's episode. Remember to stay positive, stay inspired and change the world. Bye everyone.